episode 778. As the NFL Combine wraps up, we discuss the prospects the Green Bay Packers watched over the weekend with Colin Lindsay of the Great Blue North Draft Report. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and we're discussing the NFL Combine today. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have Colin Lindsay of the Great Blue North Draft Report. That's gbnreport.com on the web. Mr. Lindsay, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. It's cold up here, but uh, we've had just a great combine so far, and uh been watching the early going at the, at the defensive backs today. It looks like a track meet out there, so uh, <laughs> things are good. Very good. We're glad to have you on the show. We've had your colleague, uh, Paul Guillemet, on, and we're glad to have you on the show. So let's talk about a lot of these combine things that happened over the weekend. I, I think the biggest story, Colin, to come out of the combine was undoubtedly wide receiver John Ross breaking the 40 record. I know on coverage of the NFL Network, the on-air reporter cited an NFL executive saying John Ross could go top 10 in the NFL draft. Do you think that can happen? You know, I think in a perfect world it could happen. Uh, But, uh, you know, I think people already knew that John Ross was fast, very fast. I mean, people were expecting him to go 4.3. I don't think anyone was quite expecting him to go 4.22. But uh, the big issue with John Ross is, number one, he's not very big. And uh, the, the bigger issues with him are, are health. He's had two uh, really serious knee injuries. One of them involved a microfracture micro surgery. And uh, as soon as the combine is done, he's going to have uh, some shoulder surgery. So, uh, you know, those are kind of the bigger issues. It's not going to hurt him that he run that fast. But I think people kind of know what they were getting in John Ross. Right now he looks like he's going to go somewhere in the early 20s kind of a thing because of those health concerns, and uh, I'm not sure that's going to change. Just amazing that Adidas would have bought him his own private island had he worn Adidas and he chose not to. I guess he missed out on that. But, Colin, it wasn't quite the level of John Ross, but Virginia Tech tight end Bucky Hodges also had an impressive combine, setting the broad jump record for tight ends, and he had the number one vertical jump in this year's draft class, even higher than David Njoku. How much do you think Hodges climbed after his performance? Well, I mean, clearly he had impressive uh, physical skills and did really well at that part of the draft, but uh, he didn't catch the ball all that well in some of the positional drills. Uh, and, and that's going to concern people. I think right now uh, he's in with uh, Evan Engram, who had a terrific combine, uh, four four three times. He's a little bit undersized, more of an H back type guy, but uh, uh, you know a guy who's really going to ma- be a matchup problem at the at the National Football League. I think Howard and and, and the Joku are clearly the, the, the top guys there. Uh, Howard right now, people talking about him as a top ten guy. Uh, Njoku probably a little bit later in the in the opening round, and then you've got Engram and, and Hodges. Uh, you know, kind of battling for that three-four spot uh, in what is people are talking about the uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the the best uh, tight end class we've ever seen. I think people would have liked to have seen uh, Hodges catch the ball a whole lot better for him to move up a whole 
lot. Right now, kind of looks like a, 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 a early to mid to second rounder type of player. Definitely an interesting tight end class in general, but uh, Colin, among offensive linemen, it's hard to imagine anyone having a better performance than Garrett Bowles, who had the longest broad jump, the fastest three-cone drill, the second-fastest 40, the second-fastest shuttle. I-, I know some people are scared of his age and his lack of experience. Where do you fall on the Garrett Bowles debate? Well, he's a really, really good prospect, and clearly the the, 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 the one really good left tackle prospect in this draft. I'm not sure I'd call him an elite prospect, uh, particularly because of the age. The other thing you have with uh, with uh, with Garrett Bowles, you watch him on tape, and uh, he's not the biggest guy out there. He's not three hundred. He's under 300 pounds. He's not a particularly physical run blocker, so if you're a team that likes a little bit of balance, uh, you're going to have to take that into consideration. Uh, it, it's kind of an interesting position, uh, uh, left tackle. It's kind of like quarterback. If you don't, want, don't have one, you've got to get one. Uh, and, and, and as I said, he's clearly the best guy out there at that position, uh, and, and it's possible that he could go in the late teens if there's a team in, a team in that area that, that really desperately needs a, a, a left tackle. What we're kind of hearing, though, is that, that nobody around the NFL is all, is all that impressed with the, uh, the offensive line class in general, and uh, you know nobody should be surprised if, if those guys, all of those guys, including Cam Robinson, including Garrett Bowles, drop into the 20s because there's some really good players at other positions, too. We're talking to Colin Lindsay of the Great Blue North Draft Report here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Colin, moving to the defensive side of the football, Miles Garrett impressed with a 40-inch vertical in his 40 time of 4.64 seconds, which is incredible for someone weighing 272 pounds. Is there any doubt he'll go number one overall? Because I know there was a controversy for a while about his plea to the Cowboys to trade for him. Well, it's Cleveland. Uh, that would be my answer. Uh, you just never know what they're, they're doing. <laughs> they, they seem to have a, 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 a different draft plan than everybody else in the league. But uh, that aside, at this point in time, there just doesn't seem to be a quarterback who's anywhere near worth the number one pick overall. Uh, and unless there's something comes out, uh, it is hard to imagine uh, that uh, Garrett doesn't go first overall. I think if there is an issue with him, it's uh, it, it, it's not so much what he was talking about with Dallas, uh, but uh, there are some questions about his motor. Uh, and even at the at, at the combine, at the interview, uh, he kind of admitted that he took take, took plays off, um, and uh, you know got got the, got, got the, you know when you listen to Jonathan Allen talk about it. Uh, hey, you take plays off at Alabama, you ain't playing anymore. Um, so that is an issue. And you watch him on tape, and, uh, you know, if the plays aren't coming right at him, uh, he was a kid who, you know, kind of kind of slowed up and, uh, and and did that on occasion. But uh, there's no question that he is far and away the best talent in this draft. And, uh, you know, oftentimes you get kids who, who do take plays off in, in college. Uh, they get to the pros, there's money involved, and, uh, and, 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 and they, they live up to the hype. Always a question. No matter how good the prospect is, there's always a question. You just don't know until they get to the league. Uh, but at this point in time, you'd have to think Cleveland would be crazy to uh, to think about anything else at this point in time. We've talked about a lot of positive performances so far, but as far as the negative goes, Alabama linebacker Reuben Foster got sent home from the combine after getting into a heated argument with a member of the medical staff. Colin, how does this hurt his stock? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a poser. 
Um, you know, I mean, you, 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 I've been doing this for on the web for 19 years. I've been following the draft literally since since I had a combine. Um, and you think you've seen everything, and then something like this happens. I mean, you know, I, I don't care how bad things are going at the hospital or how slow or whatever. Um, you know, you're absolutely under a microscope, and uh, you're told told by the people who are uh, you know managing your your affairs. Uh, uh, you know, stay out of trouble and, and to, to do something really, really silly like that uh, is, is kind of beyond belief. Uh, you know, I think to have been there and just see, see exactly what went on. I think the fact that, um, you know, he didn't hit anybody. He just got into, a, into an argument because, they, you know, it is a long, long day for these guys. Um, you know, in the end, isn't going to hurt him all that much. I think that the bigger concern with Ruben Foster, particularly Foster, who's a, who's a, who's a kid who's never had a... a, a you know, a, a, a red flag on his on his uh, on, on his docket before he's a he's a real character player. So and I, that kind of added to the to the mystery here. As, as I said, the, the bigger issue with Ruben Foster, uh, who a lot of people are talking about at top ten, maybe even a top five prospect, is that he he wasn't as big as people were expecting. He's only six zero. He's two twenty nine. You know, that puts him in the uh, in in the uh, there've been guys who've been really good at that size. But um, I, I think people were expecting him to be a little bit closer, 6'1", 6'2", 240, that kind of a thing. 229 is uh, not, not all that big for a guy who's going to be in the, in the middle in the National Football League. So, you know, that might be the bigger issue for him going on down the road. Uh, but I, I, at this point in time, I, I'm expecting that uh, Alabama actually has its, uh, its pro day coming up later this week, so he's not going to have to wait too long. Uh, to, to explain things to, to, to NFL teams, I think they're going to overlook that. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they re- react to that size thing. Getting to what's happening at the combine today, Michigan's Jabril Peppers gained attention for working out with the linebackers on Sunday and is working out with the defensive backs again on Monday. Colin, where do you think he fits in the NFL? Yeah, well, that's a really interesting question. Interesting to see if he runs the 40 again today. He had a pretty good time <laughs> yesterday, uh, so I, I doubt that he will. Um, I, I think you talk to people around the league, and, and, and at 2.13, uh, he's not going to be a linebacker. Uh, he's going to be a, a, a safety by definition. But I think the smart team that gets him is going to use him as literally a third safety uh, that you can bring up into the box, bring up into the line of scrimmage. Uh, and, and take a linebacker off the field and, and, and kind of kill two birds with, un, with, with one stone, uh, that uh, he's a terrific against the run. And uh, he has good enough coverage skills. He's going to be able to take on tight ends and, uh, and, and, and running backs in, in man-to-man coverage. Uh, but uh, bottom line is he's a safety, although with, with, the, with the kind of athletic uh, skills that he has, he's the kind of guy you're going to want to put in special situations that, uh, that, that where, you, where he's going to be able to make plays. On Colin, on the last day of the NFL Combine, which defensive back are you most excited to see his workout numbers and why? Well, it's going to be a really interesting day. Uh, talk to people around around the league again, and uh, what they'll tell you is is that the, that uh, you know the quarterbacks uh, get a lot of attention. The defensive uh, line's gotten some attention. Great, great tight end class this year, uh, but top to bottom. Uh, the cornerback class may be the best group in the entire uh, 2017 draft. Uh, it, it, people saying that that you could have as many as 20 line, uh, cornerbacks go in the first hundred picks uh, uh, on on, uh, on April 27th, April 28th. It's a really really deep class. Uh, 
<clears throat> you got an interesting duel there, four guys kind of battling for the, the, the number one spot uh, at, at, at cornerback, uh, Marshawn Lattimore of, uh, of Ohio State, Marlon Humphrey of Alabama, Tease Tabor of, uh, of uh, Florida, Sidney Jones of Washington, and uh, uh, all four of those, those guys, really good size. Uh, and, and the question is, uh, you know, can one of them uh, put themselves uh, 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 ahead of the pack in terms of speed and agility? I haven't seen the last couple of runs, but I know my, uh, Humphrey ran already, put up a 4 4 one uh, which is a great time and a really interesting marker. So we'll see what those other three guys can do. I think the guy that everybody wants to see here today, though, uh, is uh, the, the safety from UConn. His name is Obi Melafonwu, uh, 6'4", 219 pounds, uh, terrific athlete. And uh, as I say, a guy just everybody kind of wants to see today and, and, and just to see if he can match the speed and, and, and athleticism that people think he, think, think he has uh, with that kind of size. A lot of interesting names there. Finally, Colin, before we let you go, you're from Canada, uh, so I thought you might have some unique perspective on this. Who is the number one prospect coming out of Canada this year? Because I know there was a couple guys playing in the All-Star games, like the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl. Yeah, no, there's actually three, three, kids, three kids from Canada, uh, one of whom play, actually played in the States, um, who, who have at least a chance to, 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 to be a, 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 a signed as a free agent. Uh, Justin Senior, probably the best uh, prospect from Canada. Uh, he's an offensive tackle from Mississippi State, played in the uh, East-West game, then he went over to the Senior Bowl as a, as a, as a fill-in. Uh, probably uh, played, played left tackle, uh, right tackle of Mississippi State, probably going to kick inside at the next level if he's going to play there. Uh, but he's got the size and a little bit of athleticism they like there. you got other two, other, uh, two other kids that are probably not as well-known. One is Anthony O'Claire, he's a tight end from Laval, uh, the, the one, the one school in, in this group that doesn't play in, in, in American teams without a terrific program up here. They're actually having uh, uh, their own play, pro day this year. Uh, Canadian schools, as a general rule, don't do that. But uh, he's six five. He's uh, two fifty five. He's a really good athlete. He's got good hands. I think he played in the East West game. Did okay there. Uh, he's an interesting kind of prospect for later on. And then you have a linebacker, Simon Fraser, by the name of uh, Jordan Herdman. He also played in the uh, East-West game, then went to the uh, Senior Bowl uh, as an injury fill-in. Um, and I thought he played pretty well there. He, he struggled a little bit in the East-West game, catching up with the speed. But once he got it going, uh, he, he played pretty well there, too. So uh, we don't play uh, 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 football as seriously up here as people do in the, in the United States. But uh, it is an improving kind of game. Absolutely. Uh, the Packers themselves uh, went after a Canadian a few years ago with linebacker Andy Malumba. So always kind of interesting to keep up on that end of things. Colin, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us this morning. Greatly appreciate your perspective on things. Uh, keep up the good work at the Great Blue Net Draft Report, and we'd love to have you on again sometime. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, give us a call anytime. There's nothing we love doing than talking a little football and a little draft anytime. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Colin. Take care. Take care, guys. Colin Lindsay of the Great Blue North Draft Report joining us here on Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. And before our next segment, it's time for a word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by B-Rock, the bar where you can watch Packers games in Madison, Wisconsin, coming soon. We're running a 
campaign at GoFundMe.com to raise startup capital to get it off the ground while rewarding you for your donations. We've created this clip to accompany our campaign, so please give it a listen. Hey everyone, this is Brian Caravu, and hopefully sometime soon you'll know me as the owner of Beer Rock, a craft beer bar in Madison, Wisconsin. You might be asking, what the heck is a beer rock? Well, it's the family recipe of my wife Amanda, and it's going to be the signature item on our menu. In its simplest terms, a beer rock is similar to a pasty, except better. It's a savory pastry filled with beef, sauerkraut, onion, cheese, and seasoning. At least that's the traditional version. We also plan on having other various interpretations. How does a Korean birok with pork and kimchi sound? To make this a reality, however, we need your help. We're looking to get a small business loan to do all sorts of things like lease a property and buy all the equipment we need. That's why we set up a GoFundMe campaign. Your donation will go towards the equity needed to secure that loan. Once that's done, the dominoes will start falling. Best of all, we've created several reward levels to thank you for your generosity. They range from branded t-shirts to free food and drink on premise. So please take the time to explore and thank you for your consideration. We hope you become one of the founding members of B-Rock and Bottoms Up. After one weekend, we've already raised over $1,000 in donations, so let's keep that up. To donate, please visit GoFundMe.com slash BRock. That's GoFundMe.com slash BRock, and I'll share the link on Cheesehead TV and on social media. Thanks a lot, folks. Next segment. I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment, there's a lot of quick hits we can get to over the weekend. Nothing to the extent of the Packers actually agreeing to a contract with the player, but lots of smaller items. Number one, the most prominent of which was reported not long ago on Monday morning, ESPN reports Julius Peppers plans to play in 2017. His contract with the Packers, of course expires on Thursday. The report also said his agent met with the Packers while at the NFL Combine, but that's as much as we know right now, just that talks have taken place. I think Peppers can still be an effective player on a part-time basis, even at 37 years old, but obviously he's going to sign the smallest contract of his career coming up. At this point, it's mostly about chasing a Super Bowl ring and he's got a pretty good chance of doing that with the Packers. It's just a matter of, you know, do they have the funds to uh, invest into him because the Packers also have choices to make with other players, especially pass rushers like uh, Nick Perry and Dayton Jones. And when you're talking about potentially giving a lot of money to guys like tight end Jared Cook, offensive lineman uh, TJ Lang and J.C. Treader and, and defensive back Micah Hyde, there's not going to be enough money for everyone. Not The Packers are not going to re-sign all these players. They're going to re-sign probably the majority of them. 
almost undoubtedly, but somebody's going to be left out in the cold. It could be Peppers uh, if the Packers want to let him explore somewhere else. In fact, if he does sign a, a decent contract, they could even get a compensatory draft pick. So uh, there is that to think about as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, just coming down the pike this morning, Julius Peppers going to play in 2017, according to his agent. Number two, ESPN's Rob Domoski also reports that wide receiver Geronimo Allison will sign his exclusive rights tender with the Packers before free agency opens this week, which does not come as unexpected. Players with only one or two years of experience in the league have almost no leverage. They basically have to accept a tender and wait until they have a few more years of experience to get a chance at unrestricted free agency before they can get more money. Geronimo Allison had a nice rookie year, but not so outstanding that he can just set his own number. He'll be back in a Packers uniform in 2017, and that'll be good news for both parties, the Packers and Geronimo Allison. Uh, Number three, a report from Jason Cole of Bleacher Report gained a little steam over the weekend, but I encourage you to take it with a grain of salt. The report from Cole on Twitter states, quote, the Packers are talking to tight end Jared Cook about returning. Not much progress. Packers are being frugal so far, end quote. That doesn't surprise me, but the reporter is making some implications by giving what I think is one side of the story. I'm sure the words being frugal didn't come from the Packers side of the organization, and while that may be the case, it doesn't matter much before the start of free agency. Things can change at a moment's notice. And one person's frugal is another idea of a fair contract. We do have to remember that Jared Cook was a player who didn't sign a contract until about three weeks into free agency last year. So if you're looking at the word Packers being frugal, hold your horses. Let's see what happens. There's still three days, four days, until... The players can begin signing with other teams. The Packers are going to sign a player or two or three before free agency even opens here. Um, so uh, who who those players might be remains to be seen, but Cook could very well be one of them. Uh, and now that the combine is over, you know, the, a lot of these talks that, that the Packers will be focusing on free agency for about the next week or so. Uh, almost exclusively. They'll have a lot of time to invest into that. Number four, I saw a report from Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports saying TJ Lang is expected to sign a deal landing between eight and ten million dollars. Knowing the size of the salary cap, that doesn't surprise me. I tend to think it'll be on the lower end of the figure. We're talking about a guard here after all. As I've said all along, the decision on Lang is among the toughest the Packers will have to make because that's big-time money. Signing Lang to a big contract means less money for everybody else. And then the Packers also have a younger offensive lineman that's set to become a free agent in J.C. Treader. Would signing him make more sense? I'm unsure. Uh, I'm not sure what the Packers should do there. And I kind of leave that open to them. Uh, I don't have a strong opinion on 
which player they should pursue, one or the other. I tend to think it's almost uh, uh, they're mutually exclusive in that, you know, if T.J. Lang resigns with the Packers, I don't think J.C. Treader will be back. And and vice versa, if J.C. Treader signs with the Packers, I'm not sure Lang will be back. It would, it would surprise me quite a bit if they were both back in a Packers uniform. So um, we'll see what the Packers do there. Uh, each of them are expected to make pretty good money. Uh, and again, a lot of it's just due to the size of the salary cap growing uh, by more than $10 million this year. It has to do with a lot of NFL teams having a lot of salary cap space. A lot of it from, you know, themselves, you know, growing the cap themselves by releasing players like the Packers recently did a few weeks ago with Sam Shields and, and James Starks releasing those two players and, and gaining some more room. And teams have, across the NFL have been doing the same with their personnel. So uh, a lot of guys going to strike it rich in free agency, uh, TJ Lang among them. And uh, number five here, finally, Rob Domovsky also reported over the weekend that Packers linebacker Clay Matthews will not need surgery on his shoulder. As we know, Matthews suffered a separated AC joint this past season that forced him to miss a little bit of time and was limited by injury when he did come back. Uh, during the season, there was a lot of speculation that he would need surgery, whether he would need surgery or not. But the report cited Mike McCarthy confirming Matthews would not need surgery on the shoulder. So there you go. There's just about everything we learned about the Packers over the weekend, including more from the NFL Combine. Uh, you, you know, I saw some reports about the formal interviews the Packers had with players with guys like Wisconsin linebacker T.J. Watt. Uh, I saw Alabama cornerback Marlon Humphrey. Just two of the players that the Packers had formal interviews with, um, which is different because, you know, there's there's 350 players at the NFL Combine. Each NFL team, I believe the number is 50. They can hold 50 formal interviews with players. So they do have to choose a little bit wisely into who they get that extra time with uh, because they don't get to talk to everyone in depth. They can talk to, you know, they, they've got assistant coaches and things that can talk to a lot of players in an informal session where maybe there's, there's they're talking to more than one player at a time and, and get to know them a little bit like that. But as far as, you know, kind of that one-on-one, -on -one, bring them in to, to diagnose plays and do some chalk talk and, and all sorts of different stuff that they might do in a in an interview session. But the Packers uh, using their their uh, their you know uh, designated formal interviews rather wisely, or you hope they are. And we've gotten a few reports of the players that they were interviewing over the weekend. So that's the Packers news as we know it. But that sets us up for what's next. The day ahead. Monday is the final day of the NFL Combine. Uh, it's underway as we speak or as we're recording this episode. And the only group yet to do field drills are the defensive backs. Both cornerbacks and safeties will go through the 40, the jumps, the shuttles. The Packers will be there just as they've been there all week long for all the other position groups. But Monday wraps it all up. After Monday, attention turns to free agency pretty quickly because on Tuesday, all NFL teams, the Packers included, 
can enter into contract negotiations with unrestricted free agents for a two-day window, what some people call the legal tampering period, or I should say a three-day window. From March 7 to 9, the Packers can contact the free agent, the, the agents of free agents, although a contract cannot be signed until 3 o'clock p.m. Central Time on Thursday. That's, that's for players from outside the organization. They can come to an agreement with the players already under contract at any time. It's, you know, just considered a contract extension up until that point. Uh, but starting Tuesday... Other teams can contact them too, so that's where it gets a little bit tricky. So the deadline is uh, in the foreseeable future here. We we can see it on the horizon, and uh, it's coming soon. Frankly, I'm surprised the Packers haven't signed at least one of their own free agents already, but it's perhaps only a matter of time until they take care of that until the start of unrestricted free agency begins. So that's where we stand on a Monday morning. Things are about to be very busy over the next few days. And I imagine you're going to hear about the Packers signing a player or two of their own in those, in that time period. And that does it for today's episode, folks. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. The show airs live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, which is the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day uh, at Cheesehead TV or your favorite podcast app, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or whatever. We'll see you, folks. Have a good Monday. We'll be back again on Wednesday with the next installment of Railbird Central. Um, so on behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caribou. I leave you today with a song called Colorado Bluebird Sky by String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See everyone. Go Pack Go.